Welcome to the Big Golf Show. I'm your host, Nick Andreco. Along with your host, Eric R. Bay. And Eric, we're talking all things uh, golf business related, mm-hmm. uh, technology, education, marketing. And we have a special guest with us today, uh, Mr. Brandon Elliott, PGA professional in Florida. North Florida? Yep, North, North Florida. Florida. Thanks, guys. Thank you for um, coming down. You got it. Thank you. It's a home game for us here, so <laughs> not a problem. Um, Brendan, you're huge um, in in this space, especially online and social and all that. You've been doing a lot of a lot of really cool stuff. But for people that are not familiar with, with your name and what you've been doing, can you just kind of catch them up to speed a little bit? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um I've been in Central Florida since 96. Um, I come from upstate New York. I went to school up there and actually studied turf management, which by the second semester at SUNY Delhi, I knew I did not want to be a superintendent, but I knew golf was a passion. So I finished that out, moved down here, uh, worked at a private club in Winter Park for a couple of years, moved to uh, opposite end of the Spectrum Club, a nine-hole walking muni, um, and was there for 13 years. I was the last six of those years. I was the head pro and GM. Um, and I threw it, you know, took took that experience as, as a good experience to have, but I kind of packed my bags and moved on to something I was passionate about, which is uh, Little Linksters. And uh, it's our company and our nonprofit as well, where we worked with kids three to eight years old. When when did you get your PGA membership? Was it right after turf management when you got started working on a golf no, course? No, I, I took my time. Getting through the program, not by choice, uh, with with a baby on the way and a hur- couple hurricanes that came through when I was in level one. Uh, I took all six years to get through the program, so I became a member in two thousand. Oh God, two thousand nine. Became okay. a member. Beautiful. And you've done a lot before that, and then obviously since as well. Um, you mentioned Little Linksters. You guys just gave out some awards at the PJ show. Yeah, the, the the cool thing with, uh, and the reason why we started that whole thing with Little Linkster is it, it stemmed from my own kids. Um, when my daughter was two, we went to a couple daycares to try to find the right one for her. And we, I was interested more with the extracurricular stuff and with some stuff we could get her into. And you, we'd see soccer and, and dance and karate and all kinds of other activities, and golf just wasn't part of the mix. Um, so I... I checked with a couple other daycares, and golf wasn't anywhere on the radar for little kids. So my wife and I just started asking the question, why Why is that the case? Um, when they can do karate and all this other stuff that seems to be as complex as golf um, at these ages. So we started a pro- pilot program at her daycare, got a few kids. Um, parents are like, you sure you can teach these kids? And yeah, I, I think I can take care of this. And it's that was in 2008. Um, and it's just been a pretty cool journey since then. And a lot of the things we are doing now is just not just our instructional programming or our tournaments, but it's more trying to just expose people, golfers or non-golfers, to the fact that kids these ages can play and excel. And that's what our peewee swing contest the last three years that we've done. Um, we get some celebrity judges in and kind of hype it up a little bit on social media and then as soon as the videos start coming in and we can show those to, to people through Facebook or Twitter or, or LinkedIn or whatever, people's eyes start to get a little bit bigger and say, all right, I, I think he's got something here. I think these kids can, can play this game. So you've, got, you've really got the uh, entrepreneurial spirit then uh, as far as you know, just saying, hey, we saw this opportunity. 
let's take it, let's start something, let's try it. And you look sound like you like, hey, let's start small. Yeah. Before yeah. we see if we can build this up and then really dive into it. Having that entrepreneurial spirit is a, it's good. But if you don't have a good person like my wife to kind of balance things out and pull the reins back when they need to be pulled back, then, you know, it could go in all kinds of crazy directions. I remember some stories of you, because you were one of the really early adopters of Facebook Mm -hmm. and using that. And I remember, uh, I think we met you back in 2010. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember your wife complaining a little bit. You used to spend a lot of hours on Facebook. (laughs) And that, and that right there is, it's starting to pay those dividends. It has been for, you know, the last two years now. And that is the one thing that really keeps me going with the little Inksters thing is when I say, you know what, I just, maybe this isn't going to work, but I see how well me diving in early to something that I could see was going to take off. And I tell you, I've talked to you guys before about this. Social media has played a huge part in expanding my network just in having me meet people and get people involved in things we're doing that I would have never have met otherwise. So I take that same concept of being somebody, and it's not always easy, but that's seeing a couple steps ahead of everybody else and then just trying to be as patient as I can and wait things out until everybody else catches up. Well, I love what you said there because that's something we talk about a lot is that being on Facebook and being on Twitter is not instant gratification you're you're not um just because you get a facebook page or you talk with some people on twitter you know it's not gonna your your business is not gonna do a 360 but you know you started this like you said uh, you know what when when did you originally jump on facebook seriously with your business would you say um probably late 2009 maybe and and now you're starting to really see i'm sure that throughout 2012 so Mm -hmm. you know two three years you really started seeing the, the dividends of that. And yeah. I yeah. mean, and that's what it takes. It takes a little bit of time and yeah. it's a, it's a commitment, but all the relationships that you built and you touched on like the networking, mm-hmm. I mean, perfect example of the long play that yeah. it's not, you know, it's meant for building relationships. Like you said, not just instant gratification. And it, it, yeah. it's hard. I mean, if you're not patient I, by nature, I'm not a patient person. Um, but you, you've got to see, you know, you got to see that clearing through the trees and know that there's something at the end. And I think, I think golf professionals have a hard time with that. Um, we're Definitely. just so regimented in what we do. And, you know, the older professionals have been doing things successfully for a long time their way. And now you've got new ways of doing things, and it's just hard for them to grasp that concept. So, mm-hmm. Well, we've been saying some of the older professionals, the guys that have been around for 40, 50 years, 60 years even, are, this is a perfect platform for them. Like, you know, some of the older, you know, we have a, we have a lot of older clients as well, you know, as well as younger ones, we have a really, a really good mix, but um, the older guys, I think, embrace it just as well as, as the new ones because it's just another way of talking. It's another way of communicating. And it's, it, you know, they're used to building those relationships back in the, the old days, you know, as we old for us the old days days. days. way back when we're gonna get calls about that yeah we are but (laughs) you know you know it's it's true because those guys were so good at the skill set that a lot of the younger pros don't have right and it's got to be a combination of both it's got to you can't just hide behind facebook or twitter or linkedin which i was guilty of up until the last couple years and i'm like you know what why isn't this working and then you know i had some older professionals said because you 
don't pick up the phone. You don't communicate with people the way we used to. You don't put yourself out there that way. And that was hard for me. That was hard for me. I'm not good with public speaking, conversation, but I've learned over the last two years of kind of stepping out of my comfort zone and stepping out from behind the computer that it's got to be a good marriage of, of both old and new. Oh, man. I think that's, that's I love a that. huge lesson for PGMers coming through the program right now is that they're probably so used to and brought up on Twitter and Facebook and so being so used to that, hiding behind that, even maybe not voluntarily, but involuntarily doing that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and realizing, yeah, that they do need to build those relationships in person and, and make real connections, you know. Not that Twitter and Facebook are real connections, but, you know, <laughs> solidify them in person. No, and, it's, you know. it's a, you guys know, and, uh, and probably a lot of people that are listen, will be listening to this know it too, but it, it's just, it's not a one thing. It's an all-encompassing thing. Right, right. Well, uh, Brennan, you touched on um, your junior award. Can you can you tell everybody about that so people that are listening, golf professionals, can get their juniors involved with this for 2013? I, th- I think what we're going to do in 2013, right after we wrapped up this year, we were talking with some of our judges, uh, Nicole Weller and, and Chuck Evans, about how can we do this better next year. Um, and, and like I said before, you can't hide behind one form of getting the word out there, and I think I've fallen into that trap with the contest uh, uh, I think we're going to expand it out for a longer entry period next year, start it in maybe August or September, and not get crunched in between Thanksgiving and Christmas like we are right now. But, again, trying to think outside the box again on how we can spread the word out to clubs. And a kind of an idea we were kicking around is, true, we'll focus on the parents and the kids to get involved, but maybe get the clubs to get involved. And there's teaching pros at every single club in the country just about that work with little kids, maybe one or two. Um, a lot of pros aren't comfortable with working with these age groups, but there's got to be a couple. And we'll, we'll give out some awards potentially next year for clubs that get involved. If you have five or six kids that get involved or you have the most kids that get entered, maybe there's something we could do for those instructors at those facilities. Well, I mean, what a great way for an instructor that, that does a lot of junior stuff. I mean, what a what a good excuse, not that you need one, but what a good excuse to bring all your juniors together, make it a club event. Yeah, You know, absolutely. bring the parents out there, bring the kids out there, get the, get more exposure for the club. And, um, I mean, what a way to make that an event and film film those junior swings right there for them. Yeah. And let the club pro submit those. I mean, that's... I think that's genius. I think that's a great idea of involving the clubs. Kids, kids love that healthy competition too. Oh yeah, you know, having the best. Who who doesn't want to get an award? And I'm I mean, sure some pros like a little bit of competition sure. too. So if their club can take the title of "Hey, I had 25 kids that entered the contest," and yeah. <clears throat> well, Brendan, while we're on this, the um, can you let some pros know now how how they can get in touch with you, how they can reach out to you uh, if they want to get involved with with little linksters or the contest or. Uh, the the easiest way is just through email. It's uh, Brendan B R E N D O N at LittleLinksters dot com. Okay, perfect. They, you're always available. I know you're great on email. Email, I'm good. Phone, <laughs> not so hot. <laughs> <laughs> you're on, you're on Twitter, Facebook too. You're on those yeah, platforms. Yeah. People can find Little Linksters there. Oh yeah, right? definitely. Yeah, yeah, we're on Facebook. We've got a couple pages on Facebook. Um, I like to wear a lot of hats, so we got a couple pages on Facebook. Couple, got five or six Twitter accounts now. Some more active than others, but okay. Um, but back with juniors, how did you really get involved with 
your the passion with juniors was it the daycare stuff that you saw or did you always do that before that or no, I, I think that's what kind of prompted the whole little linksters thing um but i can think back to the first job i ever had um when i was just a you know high school kid working in the shop and, and pushing cards around um i got asked by a, a a gentleman that wasn't a PGA professional, but he gave a lot of lessons to our facility to help out with some clinics. And these kids weren't, you know, you know, two or three years younger than me. And I did that a couple of times. And then right after I graduated college, um, an opportunity came up with the old uh, Nike camps. I think they still do Nike camps, but they did one at Colgate University. And I, I was a camp counselor for that. Um, right before I moved down to Florida. so And then I coached in high school for about six years here in Orlando. So it's always been something I've been interested in. I, I think junior golf, if you polled a lot of professionals, I think junior golf for a large percentage would be up in their top three of things they're truly passionate about. Well, I mean, with that, I know PGA has been pushing the golf 2.0 initiatives. Um you know the, the is it play it forward tee it forward, tee it forward. Tee it forward. I, I always mess that one up come on <laughs> i know i should know these. mr pga professional um anyways um what's the state of the game do you think i mean you know with, with juniors i mean is it we talked to a lot of the you know eric and i are both methodist grads and uh, you know we were talking to jerry hogg uh down at the pga show about mm-hmm. um the decline over the last couple of years in PGM schools. They, they're up for this coming year, so he's, he's, he's hopeful. And this is across the board, not just Methodists, across the, all the PGM boards. So, I don't know, what, what do you think the state of the game is, and is it healthy right now, or is it... Um, by looking around the show this week, I, I think we're heading in a good direction. What concerns me, though, is there's still an awful lot of PGA professionals out there that are just kind of playing that game of hoping things will get better and they're not actually doing anything about trying to get, get better. And PGA professionals seem to be, and I, I hate to generalize things, but they seem to be a type of person that's comfortable working in within certain parameters. And once you have to step outside the box, we hear that all the time, think outside the box, step outside the box, it's not easy for a lot of them. So if you just, you know... I can't remember when it was, two years ago or something, in Golf Business Magazine, they asked me to take part in an article. And my quote, one of my quotes that they kind of blew up in there is that the, the, the days of standing behind the counter and waiting for customers to come in, it's, it's over. You have to get out from behind the counter. you got to do different things, whether it's social media or just think of new ways of making people connect. And I, I really feel that the PGA has a lot of good initiatives and programs out there that do work, um, but there's a lot of professionals just, just kind of get that sense that they're programmed to get to death and without even giving it a try. And yeah. I think you know we're at a point now where if, if you're sitting back and waiting, you're going to be left in the dust when things eventually yeah. do turn around. You got to do the work. Absolutely. Put in the time. Well, we yeah. hear all the time, I and mean, we're not making, you know, we're not talking bad about any of our fellow professionals at all it's just you know it's almost one of those things hey just calling it a little bit as you see it and you know we hear all the time about hey i'm so busy i'm so busy i mean you were in the golf space we were in the golf you know in the green grass side for for a while and yeah you wear a lot of hats as a golf Mm -hmm. professional i mean there's you have a lot to do you have a ton of responsibilities and what we've been preaching recently um 
past year at least, is kind of declutter. Yeah. You know, there's a yeah. lot of stuff that you do that you probably don't need to do anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and make room for the new stuff. Make room for Twitter and Facebook and Pinterest and LinkedIn. These things take very, very minimal amounts of time throughout the week. Um, but I'm sure there are things that, that a lot of golf pros are doing, like whether it's checking email. You know, mm-hmm. we talk to guys all the time. They're like, oh, I have so much email. I was like, you know, dude, grab a cup of coffee. You know, when you get into work, check your email at whatever time you get in at 8 o'clock or 7 o'clock, whatever time you might get in at. Check your email for an hour and shut emails down. Yeah, yeah. You know, as like you can literally if, if – and I think this is true for a lot of us is that we can check email all day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we can keep our email open and we'd get no work done. That's all we do is respond it, to emails respond all emails. day. It's connected to our hip, so it's yeah. kind of become part of our culture of to do that. You know, and, and, you know, a lot of the, you know, outside of golf, when we're, when we're talking to, to development companies and ad agencies and a lot of other people we work with outside of golf, they do that. You know, they're shutting down emails and they're making time for this because they understand. I mean, those are just time robbers. And it'll and be there when you get done. You can, it, you can yeah, check exactly. it later. And no, and, and no one's going to be offended if you don't get back to them immediately. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, it's pretty nice to get back to somebody quickly. But yeah, I mean, people understand is that you know, hey, you probably have a lot of emails in your inbox. Mm-hmm. But that's just one thing of I, I, I feel when we talk to pros, they get trapped into into checking email a lot, and I feel like that's one way you can save a lot of time throughout their throughout their week. Yeah. Well, another point too, and I fell into this trap when I was at the Green Grass uh, working in the shop is. I, I had a hard time with delegating, and I think when you think of what it makes a good manager, a good leader, you have to be able to lean on your troops and delegate stuff out. So if you got a lot of young professionals, a couple of young professionals working in the shop that you know are well-versed in the Facebook and the Twitter, let them do that stuff. If you're just not comfortable, but you need your facility to be out there and be exposed. Let's. Uh, I'd like to step back real quick, talking about being being super busy and things like that. And what you're talking about before. Um, I used to I used to teach at a nonprofit junior organization as well for a while. Well, I then know, I'll be calling on you. Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I know that uh, teaching juniors can wear on you, especially when you're doing it all day. You know, every day, five, six, seven days a week. Um, how do you? How do you? find the time motivation obviously you got to have a lot of patience yeah in, in teaching junior golf but uh for other junior golf leaders teachers instructors out there you have any advice tips on how to manage the children you know teach better get them to really engage keep their interest things the, like that you know the the easiest way to be successful in teaching kids is to get down to their level I, I'm sure you've seen the professional that stands six foot two, six foot three, Always just me. bending down <laughs> over at a three-year-old that's just kind of looking up at him and got their neck stretched all the way back to see him. That's intimidating to a kid. So a lot of the times when I teach, you'll see me sitting down on the ground, so I'm looking up at the kid. And that you, if you just change that dynamic a little bit, the kid will be more in tune to what you're trying to say. And, you know, another important thing with working with kids, especially the age groups of what we do in Little Linksters, is you can't, okay, we'll go to the range, we're going to hit a basket of balls for half an hour. That just, that doesn't work. You have to make it five minutes here, five minutes here, schedule in a break to the bathroom with five or six kids because mm-hmm. it's, it's just, 
I hate to say it sometimes, but you have to have that preschool teacher or daycare mentality in the back of your mind. Um, and you, you just can't keep stuffing golf down their throat. And that's that's why things like PGA Sports Academy and things like that, where it's not just totally golf-based, that works better. If you just do your traditional old-school clinic for, for kids and it's half an hour of just beating balls, that'll make a kid not want to come back to the golf course. There's just no I think- way. That, that's something that uh, PGM school, we weren't really quite taught that at, on how to teach juniors like that. Because you mentioned playing part of the preschool teacher. All we're taught is how to teach golf. Technically. Golf, technically. You yeah. Know? But being like Mike Faye was talking about earlier about more of emphasis on being a coach. Right. And like you're saying, more like being an actual like teacher, like school teacher and, and, you know, learning how to connect with kids, organize them, you know, keep their interests, things like that. I think that's tough when, you, especially let's say you get an intern at your golf shop and you say, hey, go do the junior clinic for two hours, you know, take these 10 kids. And they've never taught a kid ever. Right. But they think, right. oh, they're young. They can handle that, you know. Yeah. I think most of us are guilty of that. I was yeah, guilty of that. Sure, Out of college, sure. I used to love. I was Raz as a, when I was an intern, and I enjoyed giving my interns a bunch <laughs> the of the junior grief. clinic. Oh yeah, I'd give them the junior. I'd, I'd dress them up in the snag outfit. Oh, that's and we'd beat balls at them. Oh yeah, we used to hit real golf balls at them. Um, <laughs> it but, is important for the the head pros though and the lead instructors to be have some face time with the kids too because oh, sure. that's the rock star in those kids minds it's the guy that's the leader of that facility it's not feasible all the time in fact i've i've had to take a role where i step back a little bit with teaching to because it's my company and our nonprofit, so i got to do a lot of the business development and I'll, I'll be honest with you i'd much rather be sitting on the ground looking up at a three or four year old than trying to get some money out of somebody to you know help support what we're doing, but you right. know it's that's the rea- that's the reality of things right now. So right. Um, well, Brendan, I know you're. I wanted to talk about you know education. I know you do a lot of stuff in the section. Um, what what kind of things do you do to continue your education? Not only with juniors, but Facebook and Twitter and stuff like that. Like, what are what are some of the outlets that you use to? You know, to, to stay current with things, whether it's blog articles, whatever whatever it might be. Um, I read your guys' column in PJ Magazine. Oh. <laughs> there's a little plug. A plug? But nice. There's so so much good information out there and material out there for PGA professionals. The PGA does an amazing job through PGA Magazine, through PGAMagazine.com, through, you know, Turner and PGA.com, and then PGA Links. There's so much information there. Um, and... Some of it could be retooled a little bit and repackaged. Um, some of it gets a little stale, but there's there's a lot of good stuff out there. And I, I, I'm always looking for new knowledge. I'm always thirsty for, for new. Whether it's something that will be relevant for me or not, who knows. But I, I like to stay on top of where things are. There's areas I'm weak, you know, like equipment. I don't know much about equipment, so... You know, this afternoon I'm going to make my way around and try to learn a bit, a little bit more about what's out there. But you can't gain your membership, become a pro, sit back, pay your dues, and just go through the motions. You have to get engaged. You have to get involved. I'm somebody that has a hard time saying no. So I do get, if you ask my wife, I get a little over-involved. I'm on, God, I'm on a couple committees, uh, Education committee for our section, junior golf chair for our section, chapter vice president, but and it's a couple of national committees. But that's 
to me, when I became a member, that's what you're supposed to do when you get elected into membership. You're supposed to get involved, and you're supposed to be engaged, and you're supposed to pass that on to the other, you know, people coming up through the through the program. Kind of giving back. Absolutely. So to say. Absolutely. Well, I think that's, you know, once again, I think we've said this almost every podcast that we've done so far in this season is that um, the, these platforms, these new platforms, allow the cream to rise to the top. And the people that are hustling, the people that are doing things that are going out there, and I'm sure you get a lot of your education from outside of golf too. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, looking for it. You have to go out there, like you said, and just get out from behind the counter. Mm-hmm. Go out and do something. Go out and, and, and you know, have some fun with it. If you, if, I mean, if you don't like your job, quit. Exactly. <laughs> you know, go do something you enjoy, you know. As we say, you know, YOLO. But, um... <laughs> we say that? Well, I Somebody say else said that. No, well, Drake, Drake says <laughs> yeah. that. But I, I taught it to him. Oh, right. Yeah, he, he, yeah. he pays me royalties on that. Sure. Yeah. Um, but anyways, you know, go out and do that. If, if you're, if you, if you're passionate about the game and the business, especially in 2013 and going forward, yeah, be active, you know? And I mean, you're on all those committees. I almost feel like you shouldn't have to be on all those. There should be so much competition. So many people that want to be on those committees that you, it, that you, you couldn't be on all of them. You know, you pick the one that you really want to be on, but there's enough people to fill those spots and give that input and knowledge. There's... I may have phone calls coming after that. So there's there's too much apathy and there's too much just waiting, you know, that man behind the screen or whatever. That There's not en- enough engagement in our industry. There's not enough people stepping up to the plate. Um, not all sections are like that, but, you know, certain sections get a lot of involvement. There's there's Colorado does a fantastic job. Mid-Atlantic does a great job. North, the Met section is doing some really good stuff, uh, you know, talking to Carl Alexander. Yeah. I mean, they do some really great stuff up there, too. And they're engaging their membership, and they're, yeah. you know, getting them to get involved. And it, there's there's so many rock stars out there that we don't even know about, people that are afraid to step out. And that's one thing I like to do, too, is find those people and get them involved, because I was that person. You know, we were all that person at one point. Well, I think that's more of how we're going to grow the game. I really do. I think that's how we're going to reach some of these goals uh, of 2020. How, do you know how many what they're what they're shooting for? What the total number is for golf 2.0? 2.0. Oh my God, it's um, a lot. Yeah, it's, it's a, a whole lot. lot. Um, but I mean, that's how we're going to get closer. I think is is through you know Twitter and, and networking and, and Facebook and connecting with not only our fellow pros but you know our our students. Mm-hmm. In our, in our, you know, and that's, I think, something that's being missed right now. Um, I don't see, I mean, there's a lot of people on Twitter, but we also have, what, 21,000 active members. Mm-hmm. And there's like 50 to 70 that are active on Twitter that we see all the time. <laughs> that's, that's not a good percentage. In my, should, there in should, my it's a little low. There should be opinion. more education in it. I mean, personal branding, uh, stuff that you and I, you guys and I have talked about a lot. And it's, that's as important to me as teaching someone how to hold the club. Mm-hmm. We're our own brand as a PGA professional, and you've got to market yourself as much, or if not more, than than your facility because you're you're the face of a facility. The golf course is just the place that people come to gather and play, but you're you as the PGA professional, you're the one that they're really coming to see and, and engage with. So oh. you, you got to. 
if you're not using it, you got to get out there and start using it. We, we talk about that all the time about you know being your own brand, and that's mm-hmm. and how important that is, especially now. You know, having a voice to stand out above all the other noise going on out there. And uh, but yeah. I mean, Eric, I want to clear something up for a lot of people. When we talk about being a brand, we're not talking about you know being a, a Rory or a Tiger. No, you know that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about you need to get a logo and you need to you know plaster your golf bag with logos and, and, and do commercials and all this kind of stuff. We're talking I thought that's about, what you need to do. Well, that's what I, <laughs> no? I, I think there's, <laughs> no. Um, but, you know, it's, it's you know, branding is really getting your name out there to at least your students. You don't need to be known yeah. throughout the country. You don't need to be a Brennan Elliott or a Mike Fay or a Carl Alexander. You don't need to be some of these people that are, that are known throughout the, the section. You can be an all-star just in your local area. And, you know, and, and brand, like you said, your, your golf course, that's, that's great. Let them do their branding. And if you're responsible for that, that's a whole nother, whole nother discussion. But for yourself, your teaching business, um, people are taking lessons from you. They're not taking lessons from the golf course. Right, exactly. And, um, you know, engaging with students, I think, is building the brand, not plastering logos everywhere and, and trying to do corporate deals and all this other I feel like wasting. A, I feel like there's a lot of people wasting their time with some of this stuff. Well, they're, it, it's, they're, this is kind of goes along with what I was talking to some of my in my classes at the golf academy last week about. We were learning about SWOT analysis, all that good stuff, oh, yeah. but we were learning about mission statements and vision statements. And I asked all of them, "Do you guys have your own mission statement?" And you know, most a lot of facilities don't have mission statements or, or a vision of where they're going. So if a facility doesn't, God knows people don't. But I had them do an exercise where they wrote down what their personal mission statement is. And that's a first step of trying to figure out this whole who are we, the branding type of thing. You have to know who you are, what you stand for, what your purpose in the business is, your purpose in life is, and then go from there. Well, and and I think being realistic with that, Eric, we've talked about this where uh, people's mission statements are, was it? That we were, I think it was a car, where were we traveling to? There was a car rental place. They had the sign. The customer. The most generic mission statement ever. <laughs> yeah, like the customer is the most important, blah, blah, blah. And we stood in line for like 35 minutes. Yeah. You got to live it. You got to live yeah, it. So yeah. So I was like, it's being realistic. Yeah, it's or, nice to have it there, but. Yeah. Or on the, I love when you, when you got to call, um, you know, you got to call your cable company or whatever, and and uh, you know the the voice or the music is uh, the recording is you know you're very important to us, but you wait for 25 <laughs> minutes. You know, so it's being realistic with the with your with that mission statement. I love that you guys are that you're promoting that and you're doing yeah. that, and it's you know it's being real with it mm-hmm. and, and being honest with it. And that's just another one of the the pieces we've talked about this before. The golf professional really does need to know a lot about. A lot of different subjects yeah and this is one of the pieces of the, the branding and marketing as well as the instruction part of it right as well as the business side of it right as well as merchandising you can go down the line so well i think and that's the i think one of the challenges i mean i think being a golf professional is is one of the harder jobs oh, out tough there job. because yeah you know you if you went and worked for pepsi you know you have a marketing department you yeah. have a branding department. Yeah. You have a you know you have a customer relations department. Somebody do all that for you. Yeah, and I think a lot of the owners out there. I mean, they just hey, I'll hire a head pro or a GM, and mm-hmm. you know, why, well, you can't do everything, and you know that's you know surrounding yourself with a good staff. Absolutely. You know, yeah. to where you know as a basically you being the coach of that team, if you're the head pro, you know head professional or, or director of golf, 
you know, getting yourself a good team in there, a very diverse team. Um, who what, It was uh, George Karoff, Merchandiser of the Year for Private Facilities. He was talking about the hiring process, and he hires to fill. He knows the gaps he needs to fill, and he hires only for those to fill yeah. those gaps. Yeah. yeah. If he and, hears about just a good pro, he's not, he might not hire that person because that they're not specialized in what he needs them for. Yeah, right. I thought that was something that... It, he, he got to that level because he he's very aware and he lives in the moment of what he's doing. And I think that a lot of people, they do, they just hire, oh, okay, I got a recommendation. This guy's a good guy. And, he, you know, probably a good kid and he probably busts his butt, hopefully. But, you know, is he filling the voids that you need? Right. right. And That's a good sign of leadership, too, is when you know when you're weak in an area. Exactly. Don't try to put a Band-Aid on and do it yourself or just kind of fill a spot. You go out there and find somebody that's smarter and better than you in that area. And people are scared of that sometimes. Oh, it's tough to admit your weaknesses, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. Nobody wants to. I mean, yeah, absolutely. That, I think that's great what you just said, Brandon. We, I mean, good leaders. I mean, I mean, we, we do that all the time. We try to surround ourselves. I try to surround myself with. That's why I hang out with Eric. Um, he got me. Hang out with right. people that are way <laughs> smarter than you. You know, it makes you look a lot smarter. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> Um, but Brennan, with, with, um, you're, I, I want to touch on this for a lot of people because we've been talking about this with Facebook. Um, how has that changed your business? How do you feel that's helped you grow? Um, what do you, how do you recommend people just getting started with that, that are, that are really reluctant to get on Facebook? What do you recommend them do? How do you, what do you recommend them posting? Well, like the, the first thing is they, if they're interested in possibly getting on there, they got to figure out why, um, if you just want to get on there and share pictures, you know, drunk pictures or whatever with your buddies, that's one thing. Um, but you, you have to know what your purpose is in using it in the first place. You you can't have that personal life exposure be out there and then you're like, you know what, I should start connecting with some golf professionals. And for business, you, you can't do that. So you have to define a clear line of why you're going to use social media. Um, but I'll be honest with you, the, my personal page, I call it personal page or my profile i'm on there doing as much business stuff as i am with my business page and i knew out of the gate i'll post some family pictures every once in a while it's funny sometimes those get more likes and comments than anything but the main purpose of why i use it is is for business is to connect with other golf professionals um and it's quick it's fast it's free i mean come on if you want to promote a post it's cheap if you want to do something like that but having a clear reason for why you're doing it um i think is probably the most important thing when you start and there's a lot of good help out there i mean facebook's got all kinds of good uh pages and tutorials and all kinds of things for you know answering any kind of question that you could have or you got you guys can answer those questions too <laughs> well and if you know you talked on or you touched on a subject about transparency mm-hmm. i mean basically and if you don't like that i mean you know, I have mixed feelings about Facebook um, from a personal standpoint. Um, I think from a business standpoint, it's great. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's perfect right now. I think Facebook is going to change drastically in the next few years mm-hmm. to where I think you're going to see programs or, or uh, apps like Path mm-hmm. uh, take off because it's it's much more of a, a closed group. So, you know, you don't need 500 friends <laughs> I don't talk to 500 people, you know, and so you might have a, a close group of, of 5, 10, 50 people that you really communicate with and you share with, and I think, you know, apps, you know, like Path, 
uh, address that. And things like Facebook, too many things are I think can be too damaging if you're not if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we've we've talked about that before about you know the keeping a, a private page private and your business page business and the intermixing of the two. Is it like you said? You got to decide which. What am I going to do? I'm going to keep this open to the world, or do I just want to shut this off? Right, right. If so, go down that path and don't share the two. You know, that could get messy. And they, what, what was it? A, maybe a year ago, they kind of retooled with groups and everything on mm-hmm. there. And it seems, at least in the golf business, there's a lot of good groups out there on Facebook where you can segment it off. You can make it mm-hmm. private or secret or whatever. And we we've been doing that for some. Well, I've taken the lead on that for some of the national committees that I'm on is creating a secret private group where we can use still use that platform just like you would for anything else, but it's just for that group. I think way more clubs and golf pros need to take advantage of that. Oh, yeah. For their students, a group of students maybe, or for just the members of their country club. Uh, that's that Private groups like that, I think that's yeah. not being advantage, taken advantage of. Yeah. Like like you should like you can. like you should yeah yeah, um, yeah so I mean you know Brendan what you're talking about you there's there's a difference for a lot of people that don't know between groups your business page your personal page right it can get a little overwhelming yeah yeah <laughs> so for those guys that are looking to get started or uncomfortable with that just stick with a business page if you go to facebook.com you can set up a business page and and start there and then once you get comfortable using that and getting it and getting your message out and when we say getting your message out too i hate push marketing oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know we've been doing that for a long time it's like buy my crap you know l- look at me blah 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 instead of interacting with your students or your customers right. or you know whatever and that's how you're going to do that's how business is going to be done again it was done like this 100 years ago mm-hmm. you know we we said it i think we had an article on this to where you know, when you walk into the butcher shop 100 years ago, the butcher knew that you liked right. this kind of meat, and it was already cutting it for you. Knew your name, asked you how your kids were doing. Um, and we're going back to that, I think. We have to. Yeah. And I think, I mean, this platform, all these platforms are helping us helping us get there. Slowly but surely. Which is kind of ironic because a lot of people think quite the opposite. Absolutely. Absolutely. But it's moving in that direction. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Towards more connectivity, mm-hmm. deeper relationships. And, you know, we've been, we preach this as well as that, and there's a lot of other people preaching this as well, but um, that these platforms will be either dead or so different in the next five years mm-hmm. because people are going to ruin it. Yeah. You know, as soon as yeah. what, you're, what you did back in 09 and what people are doing right now, it's still okay. But just like email marketing got ruined. Yeah. You know, everyone, yeah. you know, remember, everyone loved email. Your AOL email account or whatever. Um, everyone loved email, and now everyone hates email. Right. <laughs> yeah. Spam came about. Exactly. Ruined it for everybody. Yeah. And people people ruined it, pushing their message, and now and that's what's going to happen with Facebook and Twitter. Eventually, you know, whether it's, it's five years or three years or ten years, it's going to keep changing. It's, it's so it's new. It's going to keep evolving, and yeah. just staying on top of these things. Is, is you're going to have to do it if you want to stay relevant and you well, want to stay in the business. Big companies and corporations like like a Facebook or Twitter, they they understand that. Just you got to stay relevant, and it's amazing how they can think of that. But personally, as professionals ourselves, individually, we we don't we don't stay relevant. We and that goes back to what I was saying earlier: is we get stuck in our ways. Mm-hmm. We don't think outside the box. But you look at Coca Cola or Pepsi or any of the big major corporations out there. You always have to reinvent yourself. You're always assessing 
what you did yesterday and making sure that you do something better tomorrow. And that's that's really what it's all about. I mean, don't get us wrong. There's a lot of guys out there that are rocking it right now. Oh yeah, a yeah. lot of guys. And it, I mean, if you if you want to get started in this, <laughs> there's a lot of people to just pay attention to. Yeah. I mean, that are doing a lot of good stuff, and um, I just feel like as a as a group, though, like we said earlier, there's probably 70 people that are active. At least that you know, less than 100 that are active on Twitter all the time. Um, out of 21,000 active members, I just think that's a really low number. Um, too way too low. Yeah. <laughs> Take a take a tip from Mr. Poulter. Ian Poulter does it very well. He's all over it, isn't <laughs> well, he? I mean, he's he's all over. But to that point, a lot of people think like, "Hey, I don't have time all day to do that." You don't have to no, do it. No, like Ian there's does tools it. out there yeah. too that you can you can spend an hour one day of the week and just kind of preset what you're going to do for Twitter, and it'll schedule everything out for you. Yeah. Well, the thing I caution about that is making sure that it's still authentic. Yeah, you know, you yeah. still want you still want people to know, "Hey, this is this is you. This is." This is something you're sending out, but you're right. There's a lot of good tools out there that, you know, you can link up your blog to your Twitter page, which will then push it to your Facebook page. Right. So you don't have to log into, you know, to Twitter and then Facebook. You can, it'll, the chain reaction will just will just happen. So there's a lot of great platforms out there that will help you do that. And, you know, we just encourage everyone to kind of, you know, jump in if you haven't already. Well, I'm going to flip the script on the show. I'm yeah. going to ask you Uh-oh. guys a question. Uh-oh. Okay. <laughs> Love it. What do you guys see coming forward? Is there anything new or another direction as far as getting yourself out there that, that things are going to start tear, uh, turning towards? I mean, like like what we're doing right now. App.net's out there. Yeah. Things like that. I mean, something that hasn't taken off yet. Eric's mm. broken. Eric, let me. Okay. This is Give your pitch. You, it's not a pitch. I'm telling oh. you. I don't <laughs> care. This is not recorded. You'll be able to turn back, to rewind the clock. Okay. A couple years. I don't think that Pinterest has even scratched the surface on what's going to happen. I think Pinterest is, if you're not on Pinterest already, I think you need to be on Pinterest. Um, I think this is the ground, I don't even know if we're at the ground floor yet of Pinterest. We might still be in the basement on what Pinterest can do. Mm -hmm. So I think that's going to be a great platform. And now, Pinterest relies on your website or a blogging platform like Tumblr or something like that. But it's all about content. It's all about the reason Pinterest is great is because it's getting its instant information. It's getting information out. Uh, Quora is another one that might have the potential to take out um, Wikipedia. Um, it's a question and answer um, type of platform, but I think they're in the early stages of what they're doing. So um, those are my two kind of dark horses. I don't even think they're dark horses. I think they're yeah, they're already, they're, they're going to change and evolve. Yeah. I think we're going to see. I think we're going to see new things, especially with mobile. You know, as, as mobile phones get more and more attached to, you know, geolocation mm-hmm. sharing and just like ease of, of sharing whatever you're doing at the moment. Um, but like Nick talked about, path that could be more closed networks where you choose to share what you want to share. Google Plus does that as well. You share your posts with just your circles that you want to share with. So and and Google Plus really hasn't had huge success like I think they thought it would. Um, you know, another one that we haven't talked about at all yet is Foursquare. Foursquare, four, four sure. Courses. Checking in and everything. Do you use Foursquare, Brennan? 
I'm on it. Do yeah. I use it? No. I, I I don't use it that often either, but it's fun. Like you know, we we it's were fortunate fun, enough to go yeah. over um, to go overseas this this past fall, and um, it's fun checking in over there. I mean, it, it really um, it's fun checking in. You know, back over here on our on our way to Orlando. I know that you know we stopped somewhere for for uh, for dinner, and uh, we're just you know screwing around on our phones and i check in and i got five bucks off at dinner yeah they happen to have a special running on foursquare you know so. and uh, golf courses aren't we're going to do a whole podcast probably on that but i think um you know golf courses aren't taking advantage of foursquare yet mm-hmm. i think groupon and living social dead i thank, think those are dead thank I, god <laughs> I, I, well i think and the problem is what <laughs> groupon and living social did uh took email what happened to email marketing mm-hmm. and like was it was you know, like a Lance Armstrong, it was like on steroids. I mean, they yeah. they, bas- they just hammered you every single day, ten times a day, right. with emails. They, they they killed themselves. I think we're going to see like Living Social and Groupon, though. You know, evolve. people evolve. Yeah. people love those. I mean, I, my wife loves those. Oh God, yeah. who doesn't love getting a deal like that? The concept but is great, but the it's down terrific. your throat all the time. If, if yeah, they, if but, they don't well, change no. something, I, but I the think the bad right. thing is, is the is the people that are putting their deals on there. Is, is they get such a low percentage of the money. I know people that have that run those deals, and it's kind of like a necessary evil. They need to run them because they know a lot of people are looking at Living Social, but they get hammered with the rates. I mean, but they get can, a quarter of the. You price. can internalize that and so, do it on your own. Exactly. You that, run I think one that's what deal we're see. one time and get the get a. We when I was at Winter Park, we did it um, without. I did it without the permission of the Park and Recs Department. <laughs> but I the first time we did it, I sold like 150. Uh, Groupons, and I was like, "Oh my God, what the hell am I going to do now?" Because I have all these people coming in that are we're getting like next to nothing. It was a fat check we got, but the the thing that was good about it is probably seventy five percent of the people that walked in the shop had never been there before. And the, true, they're value people looking for that deal. But if we can retain fifteen twenty percent of yeah. you know seventy five people, that's new people that we weren't getting exposure to before. But the the trick is to not just constantly rely on that. And you, right. you've got those new people in that one time, then you run your own deals internally. Exactly. Yeah. I just don't, I'm not a big fan of, I take the Apple model to where I, I just don't like discounting. I think you, I think you set a fair price. You yeah. set a price that, I mean, we do that with, with golf web design. I mean, we, we set a price that the, pretty much the lowest price that we could possibly do it for with staffing and everything. Because there's a lot of court, a lot of companies out there that are charging way, way, way too much money, and um, it just you know, rock it with service and rock it with it with your product. And I think that if you give a if if you're a golf pro and you you charge a hundred dollars and you're giving out lessons for fifty bucks, I mean, <laughs> I just feel like there's a better way of doing it. I feel like your your time is better spent on Twitter and social in in Facebook and growing your relationships to where people are going to pay you for your time. Right. I, I, so I think there's a balance. I think, like you said, it worked out for, for you guys to where you were able to, I think that the lower expectations of, Hey, we're not going to retain all these people. There's right. definitely coupon, you know, coupon hunters out there that people that are just looking to, for a great deal and that's it. We'll never see them again. Right. They're going to go on to the next course. Right. I mean, if you're, if you're in a, a big city like Atlanta or New York or like that, I mean, those guys probably just play the coupon courses mm-hmm. all the time. Absolutely. You, you never see them. So, I think it's. It, I think it's. It, it, it can have its. Like you said, don't rely on it. I think it right. has, there. There are some strengths to it. Um, I think overall, though, unless they change their model, like you said, internalize it. Maybe. Um, I think we're going to see it start moving towards more local too, because mm-hmm. you're going to see smaller companies pop up, like they already are. 
in bigger cities. But I think we're going to see a lot more local they, local daily they deals. They do that in Orlando. There's a lot they? of daily deal sites for yeah. just Orlando yeah. through local newspaper or radio or whatever. I think we're going to see that evolve, though, the, the, the whole format and how they, how they work that. I don't know if that answers your question or not. Yeah. We, we <laughs> no. have a whole podcast on that. I tell you what, you, you brought some stuff up that I had no idea about, so... I'll be interested to learn offline. I, I also <laughs> think one more thing is uh, is the way app.net, it's kind of like Twitter, but it's it's open. There's no advertising. You actually have to pay for it. Mm-hmm. And that that's totally new. It's actually a social media service you have to pay for. So it's, it's like $30 a year, something like it's super cheap. But right. there's no advertising, and the APIs that developers can hook into it are uh, wide open. So that you can make any type of app, website, feed aggregate whatever you want to do whatever you want with that content no so restrictions the, uh, no restrictions yeah so kind of in the development world kind of your api is your new app so your content is your app it's going to be spit out on a lot of different devices now tablets mobile websites refrigerators cars wherever your your screen is your device mm-hmm. so your content is going to be king it's going to be what's going to be manipulated everywhere so we're going to see that in the future. I think you're right on that. I think you lost a lot of people with API. Yeah, well, you know, i got to get a little <laughs> but, into it. But, but it's, you know. yeah, I know, I know. You listen to Eric, he'll start talking tech on you. But, um, <laughs> the no, Eric said, you said a lot of, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think that's, I think you're going to see a lot of, uh, things are going to be evolving a lot. Absolutely. In the next, within the next 10 years. If you think it's been, if you think it's been fast now. Yeah. Wait. wait I, no, I, yeah. I don't think, yeah. Which is even more reason to prove. You know, what we have been talking about, you guys and I have been talking about for a couple of years now, is you, you got to get on this train because it's moving fast yeah, and there's, there's other there trains you're going to have to connect with along the way and get mm-hmm. on those too. Mm-hmm. I agree. I love it. I love it. Brendan. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank, thank you, you guys. Today. Thank appreciate you. it. Terrific. That was awesome. A lot of good stuff. Um, Eric? Uh, how can people find us? People can find us on Twitter at The Big Golf Show. You can go to Facebook, facebook.com forward slash The Big Golf Show, or our website, TheBigGolfShow.com. And finally, what this, this is a podcast, right? Mm-hmm. So you can find us on iTunes. Uh, go to your podcast app, go to iTunes, click on Podcast, and search for The Big Golf Show. Tons of ways. Tons of ways. Tons of ways to get in touch with us. Yeah. Submit a question there. If you want to oh. submit a question on, you want to yep. see somebody interviewed or a topic you want us to chat about, submit that on the website. On the website, Twitter, Twitter, anywhere, anywhere, wherever you want. Yeah. Okay. Take care.